Here's the thought in Judges chapter 7, the seventh chapter. I want to challenge us in this 41 years that God has given to us here at Crossroads Baptist Church about what you can do as a child of God here at Crossroads so that God can do what he wants to do through us. How many of you believe you want God to do what he wants to do? It's possible for God to want to do something and not do it because of us. I don't want to block God from doing what he wants to do. Judges chapter number 7, verse number 19. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came into the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch, and they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and break the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and held the lamps in their hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow with all. And they cried the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp. And all the host ran and cried and fled. And the 300 blew the trumpets. And the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow. And the host fled to Bethsheda into Zerubbath. Zerath and the border of Abel-Meholah unto Tabith. And the men of Israel gathered themselves together out of Naphtali and out of Asher and out of Manasseh and pursued after the Midianites. And Gideon sent messengers throughout all Mount Ephraim saying, Come down against the Midianites and take before them the waters unto Bethbara and Jordan. Then all the men of Ephraim gathered themselves together and took the waters unto Bethbara and Jordan. And they took two princes of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeb, and they slew Oreb upon the rock of Oreb, and Zeb they slew at the winepress of Zeb, and pursued Midian, and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon on the other side, Jordan. Let the church say amen. Now, now that's a lot of words. Let me break it down to you. They whooped them some kind of bad. They tore them up. And if you look at the circumstances in this story, humanly speaking, they should have got toe up. But somehow, with God's power, instead of getting toe up, they toe somebody up. Can't God still do that today? And we're claiming that he will. Our Father, in Jesus' name, add thy blessing to the reading of your word. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. Help me to be a blessing. Use the Bible as you have time and time again. Do a great work in these brief moments. Could you say a lot even if I don't? Could you take what I give and multiply my words like you did those five loaves and two fish and feed us so much today that we're full with baskets left over? Bind the devil. Hedge us in so that he won't interfere with what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. God's people in Judges chapter 6 are doing evil again. Everybody say again. Now, it's, it's a bad thing to do wrong. It's worse to do wrong again. We look at Israel and say, why are they doing this again? The book of Judges is the repetition of Israel doing evil again. You see that time and time again. Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. Listen to me, this is not the message today, but every time you do evil, you do it in the sight of the Lord. 
Parents may not catch you. Wife may not catch you. Husband may not catch you. Preacher may not know. Church may not find out. Your boss may not know. But God knows you do evil in the sight of the Lord. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. You can't run from God. You can hide from the police. You can hide from the government. But the hound dogs of heaven will hunt you down. Sin always has consequences. And so now God has delivered them into the hands of their enemies. People that hated God, God gave his people over to them. You can disobey God and God will let people that hate him punish you. This is what happens. Midianites, bands of people that raided Israel's crops and stripped their land and stole their livestock. And now people that Israel used to conquer were now conquering them. God is going to raise up a deliverer all through the book of Judges. And in this case, Gideon is that one. Gideon is so scared, he's so broke, that he's threshing wheat and hiding at the time that God finds him. Instead of calling him a broke man, a weak man, a man from a family that wasn't worth anything, God announces his call to Gideon this way. Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. Gideon must have been looking over. Who's he talking to? I'm broke. I'm scared. I'm hiding. My family don't have anybody famous in it. Who is God talking to? But I'm going to tell you something about God. God doesn't talk to you about just where you are. He talks to you in the way where he can take you. And he's saying to Gideon, you may not think you're mighty. You may not have the muscles that that indicate might. You may not have the family that indicates might. You may not have a life right now that looks mighty. But once you let me get a hold of you, I'm going to make something great out of you. Somebody in the building's got to get glad at not where you are today, but where God's taking you. Well, Pastor, I'm never going to find my husband. Claim it in Jesus' name. I'm never going to get out of debt. Claim it in Jesus' name. Don't claim it because you get slapped upside the head. Don't claim it because some preacher gives you a sweat rag. Don't claim it because some holy water is on you. Claim it because God has a purpose, and when you walk in obedience with his purpose, he can accomplish his plan through your life. And so through a series of works, God convinces Gideon to follow him. Gideon doubts God. He has to get a sign from God, puts out a fleece says, God, let the grass be wet and the fleece dry. God, let the fleece be wet and the grass dry. And God answered Gideon's prayer to solidify his faith. So now Gideon is going to lead Israel against the Midianites. I want you to understand that by the time that Gideon is fighting the Midianites, they have 135,000 and Gideon has 300. I don't believe Christians ought to bet. I don't believe Christians ought to gamble. But let's just hypothetically, hypothetically for some of us, actually for some of you. But anyway, let's hypothetically say you're a betting man. If you're going to bet on 135,000 or 300, logic says you go with what? 135,000. There is no way 300 soldiers can beat 135,000 soldiers. Even if they're both equally trained, numbers don't lie. You're going to win if you got 135,000 versus 300. And yet the Bible says the 300 whoop the 135,000 send the few that are still alive running. And I'm going to tell you something God is not into numbers. Numbers are based on the natural. God is based on the supernatural. We look at this passage of scripture. How can you get 300 versus 135,000? Why is the big crowd running from the little crowd? How is David beating Goliath? He's over nine foot tall. His spear and armor weigh more than David weighs. How is this little boy beating this big giant? How is this little army beating this big army? Here's the message today. Some might say, well, it was their trumpets. Well, it was their torches. Well, it was their talking. Well, it was their strategy. Well, it was Gideon. Well, these folks had some 
special juice in them. No, 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 no. I want to give you why I believe this 300 army beat 135,000. Here it is in verse number 21. And they stood every man in his place. Say that with me. And they stood every man in his place. Say it again. And they stood every man in his place. Small army, but big God. The enemy outnumbered them, but God was for them. The enemy should have run them off, but they ran the enemies off. The enemies should have defeated them, but God delivered them. Why? Because every single soldier, every single man, they didn't have a lot of men, but all the men they had were standing in their place. They didn't have a big army, but every hand was on deck. Every person was in his position. Every person was on his post. Every person was doing his job. As I sit here today, thinking about 41 years of history at Crossroads Baptist Church, I think about the armies that the world seems to have on its side. The world has its army of immorality, hatred, racism, crime, religion, indifference, and all vices of sins. There's a strong wave of homosexuality and the attack against marriage and the distinction of the home and, and the armies of the world seem so much bigger so much stronger how about depression and mental health and illness and suicide and drugs and alcohol how about what's attacking our young people through the means of social media and how about politics and, and lies and segrega segregation trying to be brought back in in all kinds of ways that we don't see it and people are more divided than they are united we got churches that can't get together because they're arguing about who they want in office and who they voted for. Hey, listen to me. I'll tell you who I voted for. I voted for Jesus. Amen. King of Kings and Lord. Listen, we're looking at that army here, September 11th. And as we look back today to that September 11th, where a wicked and an evil man launched an attack on America and innocent people in planes that were flying headed for what seemed like a normal day lost their lives. Husbands lost their wives and kids lost their parents and parents lost their children. And America realized they were under attack by terrorism. And all of a sudden I was flying that week. I was in Oklahoma. I remember walking into a preacher's meeting on a Tuesday morning and Preachers were gathered in a room all huddled together and one man said, my wife is flying today. And I remember hearing them say, they hit the tower. And then they said, they hit another tower. And then my secretary, Anita, called me and said, Pastor, they just hit the Pentagon. And we had members like Bert Dunn and Valerie Reddick that were working in the Pentagon that day. I remember flying back into Dulles instead of National on that Saturday and driving past the Pentagon, still smoking, still dark. I remember riding on the plane in a somber mode. The airports were so quiet. And I remember people were so fearful. I remember flying after that and the rules changed and what you had to walk through. Why? Everybody knew there was an enemy. I want to tell you something. You think that's an enemy. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers, against spiritual wickedness, against the rulers of this darkness. The devil wants your kids. He wants your marriage. He wants your future. He wants your testimony. He wants your thinking. He wants your philosophy. He's already got a stronghold in our school system. He's already got a stronghold in politics. They're ripping God's name out. They're taking the Bible out of the way. They're ripping prayer out of the schools. They're mocking what God says about marriage and morality and modesty and men and women. And we look like sometimes that there's no way this little army here can fight against this big army. They're so big, so out 
outnumbered, so strong, so powerful. It looks like they've got all the odds on their side. Sometimes we're in Psalm 73 where Asaph said, the, the wicked is prospering and the righteous are always losing. It seems like sin is winning and it seems like Christianity is losing. It seems like they're growing and we're shrinking. More are running to the world and, and more are leaving the church. How are we going to win? I'm going to tell you how. God's got an army today. I said, God's got an army. It ain't, the, it ain't the White House. It ain't the courthouse. It ain't the crack house. It ain't the Republicans. It ain't the Democrats. It ain't the social movements. It ain't the, uh, the religious crowd. It ain't all of these other movements out here. God's army today is the local New Testament church. That's God's army. And it's made up of all kinds of people. The world may look at us and say, they ain't that big. They ain't that great. They don't have much money. They don't have much fame. We got more than they do. But let me tell you something. God has positioned you. See, every person at Crossroads Baptist Church, there's a place for you, a spot on the team, a time when your number's called, a function in the playbook. If you're not a soloist, not an usher, you don't teach a class, maybe just work in the nursery, work on the bus route, maybe you're a new member, maybe you're a Christian, haven't found your gift. In eternity past, God foresaw you as a person, as an individual, his omnipotent hand, his omniscient mind, his omnipresent phenomenon formed you with talents, gifts, and abilities. He envisioned your job, your spouse, your kids, your talents, your resources, your influence. He envisioned the deal on your home. He, he saved your soul. He, he made you whole. He set you in the Northern Virginia area. He knew how expensive it was. He knew about I-95 traffic. He knew about these crazy drivers. He knew how much Easy Pass would cost when there's a bunch of traffic on the road. And yes, he put you right here at Crossroads Baptist Church. Why? He expects you to employ every resource, every talent, every gift, every influence, every relationship, every circumstance, and every aspect in your life. You see, God doesn't just want some or most or just those that have been here a while God wants everybody victory is his to perform but the requirement is very simple we need every person not to sit not to slouch not to slumber or to be some timey you can't sham on your responsibility shirk at your obligation sleep on the job or shift the work to somebody else you got to find your spot locate your purpose understand your importance and with every fiber in your being Stand in your place. In your place. We, we spend so much time talking about how bad the enemy is and how outnumbered we are. God never, listen, God was never whooping people because of his big crowd. Listen, God will show his power when all of us stand in our place. And let me give you a couple things about this army. I'm finished. Number one, the choosing of this army. They were divinely selected. They demonstrated strength. They denied self. See, when Gideon started off with his army, he had 32,000. God said, you got too many. Watch this now. Wait, wait, wait. 32,000 versus 135,000. How can that be too many? We're still outnumbered. God said, no, you got too many. Why? Because numbers ain't going to help you if you got a bunch of soldiers who really don't want to be there. Preach, pastor. God going to bless me because I went to church. Not if you didn't want to. I read my Bible this morning. You read it with an attitude. You might as well kept it closed. I'm going to put this in here, but I'm getting tired of getting asked to give. Keep it. God doesn't need your money. You're not giving to help God. You're giving so that God can help you. You got too many, Gideon, 32,000. Well, everybody that's scared, Gideon, send them home. Immediately, they went from 32,000 to 10,000. 25,000 left when he asked them if you're scared. All of them said, we scared. They went back. 
Then at 10,000 versus 135,000, God said, you got too many. 10,000 versus 135, why do we have too many? Yeah, because a bunch of them are cute. Take them down to the water. Let's find out how they drink water. You say, oh, is this a water drinking contest? No, no, no. We're going to find out how you drink water the same way how you fight. So those that got, got down to the water and got cute and drank the little water and said, I want to make sure I get my water nice and cute, Gideon sent them home. The ones that lapped water like a dog and kept on moving. In other words, war is not time to be cute. Hey, the Christian life's not for cute people. See, see you, you, listen, you can win a beauty pageant being cute, but you're going to win in the Christian life by having character. And so Gideon goes down to three, only 300 of them lap like dogs. You know what we're going to find out in 2022? Who's really serious about spiritual warfare or who's trying to be cute? See, you can't spend more time speaking, picking out your Sunday outfit than you do reading your Bible. You, you, you can't spend more at Starbucks than you spend in the work of God. Why? Because the, the work of God's not about being cute. You see, the choosing of this army. I want you to notice the character of this army. Verse number 13, they were an army of faith. They were an army of faith. God sent someone with Gideon down to that other camp, and God showed Gideon through this man that I'm going to use you. I'm going to use something like a little cake to wipe out a whole army. Hey, folks, let's stop putting God in a box like God has to have a championship ring like God has to have a first round draft pick like God has to have all of the things going for him to win he had a shepherd boy that became a king he had a stuttering mouth that led a million and a half Jews across the Red Sea he had somebody like a little boy without a name whose lunch fed 5,000. He had a man named Jabez whose name meant sorrowful, who meant painful, and yet God put his name in scripture. His mother and daddy and brother are not even mentioned. I'm just trying to tell you that God can do a lot with a little. And somebody here has got to get, get, get in business with God and understand God's not looking for my ability. He's looking for my availability. Believe God can save your marriage believe God can bring home your prodigal believe God can multiply your finances believe God can take care of your family believe God can supply all your needs believe God can use you young man not because you're great not because you're strong not because you're mighty not because you got a great family but because you serve a great God number three the commitment of these men and I'm finished the commitment of these men now we're in verse number Chapter number eight. I don't have time to summarize all this. But Gideon and these fellows grabbed trumpets, took torches, and at the moment God said, they screamed out the sword of the Lord of Gideon, then they smashed those torches, and all of a sudden, God let this big panoramic light show shine up in such a way that the 135,000 got so scared he let this 300 whoop him. Won't he do it? Hey, stop telling God you need him and then telling him how to do it. I, I need to win this battle, but I need to win this battle my way. No, I need to win this battle God's way. You better have faith. You better know how to follow. By the way, here's what Gideon said. Look on me and do likewise. 
Hey, hey, you know what the church has to do? Quit getting their eyes off of people and getting their eyes on Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Pastor, I don't know how to lead my family. I don't know how to be a teenager in 2022. I don't know how to find a husband. I don't know how to find a wife. Here it is. Look on Jesus and do likewise. Now, here's, here's what happens. 135,000. 15,000, rather. Get away. Okay? They kill 120. But 15,000 of them escape. Here's Gideon in this army. I mean, if this was today, it was 135,000, 15,000. Okay, so we killed 120,000, 15,000 got away. That's still a pretty good victory, right? Let them go. No, no, not this army. No, no. We ain't losing nothing. (laughs) Now, here's chapter 8, same army, met by problems. Look at verse number 1. Faint, yet pursuing. Look at verse 4. Gideon came to Jordan and passed over he and 300 men that were with him. If 300 people have just fought 135,000 people, what do you think those 300 people are now? Tired. Pastor, some of y'all saying, like I am right now, Pastor, tired. uh, We had a couple testimonies a few minutes ago. And right after the testimonies were over, PT, Pascal got up here and said, stand up. I saw some people say, again? You know what you're saying? We're tired. Here's 300 men. They've just been in hand-to-hand combat with a huge army. They're tired. They're met by problems. You know what's wrong with the average Christian in 2022? Tired. I'm tired of fighting the devil. I'm, t- I'm, 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 I'm sick and tired of trying to keep this marriage together. I'm tired of trying to raise these kids right. I'm tired of trying to give while I'm trying to pay all my bills. It's not that I don't think it's good. I'm just tired of it. Hey, look at this crowd. They were faint, verse number five of chapter number eight. But notice what the Bible says. They were not only faint, last part of verse number four, rather, yet pursuing. Here's this. They were met by problems, but they maintained their pursuit. Listen. Just plan on it until Jesus comes. Plan on spiritually being tired. Here's the problem. We're letting up and the devil's not. We taking timeouts. We taking time. We, we Steve Weber. I mean, Chris Weber. We calling timeouts and don't even have no more timeouts. Time out, time out. God said you ought to use your time. You'll get time out for eternity when you get to heaven. For now, get in the game. Well, well, pastor, I'm trying to stay in the game, but I'm out of energy. It is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. But pastor, I don't think I can go on. Let us not be weary and well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. But pastor, I don't know if I can make it through the battle. The battle is not yours, it's the Lord. But pastor, I don't have enough strength. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. But pastor, who's going to meet my needs? My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But God, I got a bunch of people fighting me. And if God be for you, who can be against you? But God, I'm not, Pastor, I'm not a great fighter. We are more than conquerors through him that love. But Pastor, the people I thought loved me, they left me. Being persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. But Pastor, I'm laying in a hospital bed and the doctors don't think I should make it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thou rod and staff but pastor I don't know what to do and 
if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which give it to all men liberally and abrade it not, and it shall be given you. But pastor, things keep going wrong. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. But pastor, I feel like I don't have enough money in my bank. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Shall men pour into your... Well, pastor, I keep calling people and nobody wants to help me. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. Well, pastor, I feel like I'm all alone. And he saith, I will never leave thee or forsake thee. I'm just trying to tell you, for every problem, God has a solution. For every question, God has an answer. For every sickness, God has a healing. For every difficulty, God has peace. Stop complaining and stand in your place. And if you don't like that, then you don't like Bible preaching. Because that's scripture. If, if something in you gets tensed up, feel uncomfortable right now, that's conviction. Because God expects us to stand in our place. And we keep saying we're losing because of this and because of that and because of this, because of that. Nobody lost because of this or because of that. We lose when we don't stand in our place. One more verse and this is where we close. Proverbs chapter 27. This is where we close. Verse number eight. As a bird that wandereth from her nest so is a man that wandereth from his place. What's the nest? The nest is the place of safety. The nest is the place of familiarity. The nest is the place of belonging. You remember when Noah sent that bird out to see if the waters were dried up? And the raven came back with a stick or whatever. The bird came back and he realized it wasn't dry yet. And then he sent that dove out later and the dove never came back. You know why the dove didn't come back to the ark? Because the ark was no longer where the dove belonged. The dove had found a place, a nest. You know what the local church is? It's a nest. Wonder from your nest you wander from your place I don't I don't have the time or the desire to counsel every specific situation today but I'm just going to put a blanket on everybody whatever you're facing here's what God is saying stand in Our Father, we bless your name. Help us. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Pastor, I'm going to heaven. I have Bible reasons to prove it. If you know that, if you're saved and you know it, based on the word of God, would you put your hand up? 
I'm saved and I know it. I'm saved and I know it. I'm saved and I know it. God bless you. Put your hand down. Pastor, God spoke to me. By the way, there's so much there. Place, reading your Bible, praying, faithful and giving, soul winning, your ministry, with your family. All of these things that represent your place, where God has put you. He has the right to put you where he wants to. Some people, he moves and sends them to the mission field. Well, Pastor, but God, that's not where I wanted to go. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Don't pick the place. Stand where he picked. Pastor, God's spoken to me about my place. By, by his grace, wherever that place is, I want to stand in my place. That's you all over the building. God bless you. Put your hand up. God bless you. Last question. Pastor, I'm not 100% sure if I die today, I'd go to heaven, but I'm sure I do not want to go to hell. I'm not 100% for sure if I die today that I'd go to heaven. But I'm sure I do not want to go to hell. Please pray for me. If that's you, would you slip your hand up and let me pray for you? Anybody like that? I'm not sure if I died today that I'd go to heaven, but I'm sure I do not want to go to hell. Let me pray for you. Just raise your hand long enough for me to see it, please. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. I see your hand. Anyone else? I'm not going to embarrass you. I don't know most of your names that are not members. If I did know them, I wouldn't call them out. I just won't pray for you, Pastor. I'm not sure. Anyone else? I'll join this one. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? Well, today God's given you a preacher to hear. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. If you know you're a sinner, you should. We all do, don't we? And nobody got to help us sin. We sin because we're sinners. Born with the curse of Adam. One man messed it up and one man fixed it back. You've got to come to that one man who fixed it back, Jesus, and say, I believe you died for me when you were buried, you rose again. And I put my faith and trust in you. If you're here and you know you're a sinner and you believe Jesus died to pay for your sin, you can't get saved until you put faith in what he did. Nobody goes to hell because your sins aren't paid for. Jesus paid for everybody's sin. You're not going to hell because your sins aren't paid. You're going to hell if you reject the payment. Now I'm giving you a chance to say yes to the payment right where you are. To bow your head right in your seat. You don't have to get up and do anything. To bow your head right in your seat. Say, dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. And as best as I know how, I'm going to put my faith and trust in him, knowing that he alone can save me. Please, Lord, take the payment that Jesus already made 2,000 years ago and based on my faith today, Apply it to my account. In Jesus' name. If you're in the building today, you say, Pastor, I prayed. I not only prayed, I prayed and I meant what I prayed in faith to save my soul. If that's you anywhere in the building, would you put your hand up? I prayed that and I meant thank you, man. A few moments ago, a lady raised her hand and said, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. A few moments ago, she raised her hand. Now she just raised her hand and said, I prayed now, man. If you're glad she did, let's give God the praise. Praise his holy name.
you, you have nothing to be embarrassed about. Whosoever believeth on him is not ashamed. And for all of us that are saved. Now we got something to do. There's a class for you to be in. There's a class for you to teach. There's a, there's a kid for you to pick up. There's a door for you to knock on. There's a, there's a spot for you in the choir. There's a toilet for you to clean. A parking lot for you to shovel. Stand in your place. Don't, don't, don't get mad that your place isn't somebody else's place. Just stand in yours. By his grace. Father, sanctify every decision that's been made for your glory and for our good. And we'll praise you for it. And thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.